Welcome to the Vision for the Valley podcast. I am your host, Joseph Velarde. In this podcast, we will discover the gym that is the Lehigh Valley and learn from people from all walks of life. Well, welcome to another episode of the Vision for the Valley podcast. I'm so excited to welcome my good friend, Barry Whitworth, who I've known for a very long time. Barry and I met way back in 2008, mm-hmm. and Barry has served as an instrumental part in my own development and growth as a leader, and also the journey in which I took, which is called church planning. And that idea of church planning is to start a new church or a new work in a local community. Uh, not just to have a service, but to actually be in and for the community. And so a lot of even the emphasis of this podcast, which is about being for the valley, really comes from a lot of the influence of Barry in my own life. And so I'm so, so grateful for him. And, And Barry currently serves as the executive director for the Baptist Resource Network. And that means he just really has a lot of opportunities to deal with all kinds of issues uh, that are very exhausting and tiring while being forward thinking about what's to come and what's to happen. So Barry, welcome to the podcast. Well, Joe, it's a pleasure to be with you today and to have this time with you on the podcast and uh, to share and just dialogue with you over what God has been doing and what I hope he will do across Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Mm. Well, Barry, tell us a little bit about yourself and and what you do and how you got to the place that you're currently in. Well, I'm a a native of the Northeast. I grew up in Maryland, and I've lived in Maryland, of course, and Pennsylvania and New York State. So my primary uh, stage of life, if you mean, has been in the Northeast. Hmm. Uh, It's where I, you know, learn what I've learned. Hmm. Uh, I've uh, pastored. For nearly 30 years, or I've been in ministry for 30 years. Hmm. Uh, about 20 of those years, I spent church in church planting, as you said, starting new churches and communities. Hmm. Uh, personally, invested in about six church plants myself, hmm. and uh, so I've had a, a broad range of experiences and uh, opportunities and. And I've received a lot of blessings by being able just in this context in the Northeast to be able to to serve our Lord and what he's called and asked me to do. So uh, married to a bride for 41 years, Beth. When's your book coming out about your 41 secrets? Yeah, sometimes I'll get that out. Uh, but you got uh, a lot of extra time, we, right? <laughs> we've got two daughters and two sons and loves, as my wife mm, says, mm. and six grandchildren. So um, wow. we're so blessed. God's so good. And um, been serving in this capacity just coming up on three years. February 1st will be my third year anniversary uh, coming out of the church planting work into leading uh, the convention, as they call it here, but the Baptist Resource Network as the executive director. Mm-hmm. So, Well, I was going to ask you, what's the biggest difference between those two worlds, church planning and leading the Baptist Resource Network? I think the biggest difference, it's kind of um, in church planting, you're constantly working with things that are new. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're striving to start new works, new churches and communities all across, in our case, two states. So that was my work for for years, and uh, helping encourage and train and coach alongside of younger guys to help them to be effective in church planting. So um, it was new. It's all new. The work that I do now, I not only 
am encouraged to still work with the new, but I work with what has existed. Hmm. So, and some of that is really exciting and refreshing. Some of it's challenging because um, sometimes, you know, older things can take more time and energy to work with because they're older. It's kind of like a house. You know, (laughs) if you move into a new house, it's pretty easy, right? Um, Everything's new. Nothing's really going to break. Well, you move into an older house, there's a lot of work that you sometimes need to do. And sometimes there's more stuff behind the scenes when you get into the work than you realize was actually there. So it's it's not bad. It's just different. Yeah. And my challenge today is I'm working with championing new stuff being started while still working with the older existing churches that we have to help them to get healthier so that they can eventually start new churches themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say, uh, as I, I've watched you for many years in this last three years, I, I always like to tell you, Mr. Pre- call you Mr. President. Hey, Mr. President, I'm here <laughs> yeah, to serve, yeah. serve as <laughs> serve, serve <laughs> at the leisure of the president. And uh, but we, we laugh about that. But seriously, you've done a great job of leading us forward, even as there's some some you know exciting things, but some challenges, as you mentioned. And we're actually in the middle of a house renovation. Uh, and I've, I've talked to you about this, where my father-in-law, who passed away in 2011, built mm-hmm. this house uh, with, his, with his own hands in 1975. And as he built this this house, my wife and I have taken it over, and we're doing a lot of renovations to modernize it because it was built really well. But there were just a lot of things to still uh, update and to really do in order to have room for our family as well as my wife's mom. And as we're working through that process, it, it's long. It's not a short thing, but it's going to be worth it in the end. But it does have its, its share of headaches. Mm-hmm. It is uh, easy to get impatient. It's challenging to to uh, not lose sight of, of the ultimate vision. Um, but to be reminded, though, of why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? You know, holding on and anchoring yeah. ourselves into the reason why we set out to do this move. So I, I think for you, those those times and those seasons, you you probably have to go back on your why to why you're doing this, the call that God's put on your life. Is is there something specific that helps you in those difficult times to say, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm able to stay the course when I remember fill in the blank? Well, I think what helps me stay the course is um, the reason. The reason we do what we do is because Jesus Christ, our King, asked us to do it. Yeah. And if there's anything that's in the way of getting back to what He originally said we need to do, then you need to ask the question, what is it? You know, what's in the way? And help them to understand why it needs to change. Because the bottom line in the work that we do as Christ followers... It's what our king said that we do, not what I want, not what I've designed or what anybody else has designed by human hands. Hmm. But we need to really think about what matters most to Jesus Hmm. and get back to that, Hmm. Hmm. his design. That's so good. And I I think that's really important. Like a lot of times it's it's my way or your way. We talk in those terms, but it's really not that. It's his way, King Jesus' way. Like it's not about what do I want to see happen? Uh, and it's okay to describe and articulate those desires, but at the end of the day, they need to be funneled through his hands, right? Because yeah. my life and my leadership belongs to him, yeah. and I'm looking to him as the ultimate authority over my life and over my leadership and what it is that he's asked of me. And when we get to that place, 
it, it allows us to, I think, stay anchored in our why yeah. and to really live out even what Jesus says in John 17. when he, He's not praying for uniformity. He's praying for unity. And in that prayer for unity, it's, it's so that we would be one as he and the Father are one mm-hmm. and so that the world would really believe that Jesus was the real deal. But the only way that happens is when we say mm-hmm. there's an authority that's greater than my own personal authority. I'm, I'm submitting my mission to his mission. And I'm, I'm saying in the midst of my differences and our differences, we celebrate those, but we bring them around the purposes Amen. of King Jesus. And, al- and that allows us to stay the course. And then I, I think the other part of that is how you've been able to stay the course is what you, ex- what you exactly said as far as remembering, you know, hey, this is ultimately about King Jesus and what he has for me and for others as well. But I think also that unique call, and not to lose sight of your passion and your desire uh, for seeing new church, churches started and multiplication continue to move forward. And recently, you and I had been in conversations about a new initiative that you were wanting to see happen right here in the state of Pennsylvania and South Jersey, which is called SENPA South Jersey. Can you tell us a bit about that and, and unpack for those who may not be familiar with that yeah. whole send. And by the way, that's S E N D not S I N. I have a little Southern draw. So sometimes it's hard to make out the difference, <laughs> but I wanted to clarify what I'm saying, but can you, can you help unpack what that is and, and what do you hope to see happen and accomplish through that? Sure. It's um, the hope of building off an initiative that was started by the North American mission board, probably back in 2011. Um, where uh, the president there, Kevin Ezell, decided that one of the things that uh, we needed to do as Southern Baptist really well through the North American Mission Board was to really get into looking at how we were going to reach population centers with the gospel. Hmm. So in his initiative, the SEND initiative, he sought out to establish um, pockets through 32 cities where the North American Mission Board could be really effective in helping to start churches. So through that, they adopted 32 cities across North America. That's the United States and Canada. And uh, after identifying them, they placed missionaries in those cities. Um, those missionaries were championed to certainly start new works, but to seek out future planters, uh, partners who could help church planters, and a church planter is someone who helps start a church, to come alongside them to not only assess whether or not they're qualified and capable to do that, but to create coaching and training environments to where they could be successful. So the North American Mission Board has been doing that now for, say, eight to nine years, and it's been really effective where now thousands of churches have been started in cities all across North America. So um, I was one of those missionaries at one time Hmm. serving in Philadelphia and in Pittsburgh. And uh, I know what resources come with the focus of of trying to start more new works in a populated area like a city. So Dr. Azell came up with an idea that he approached uh, several executive directors like myself about two years ago about what would that look like in in the state outside of our two send cities, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, which meant if we would create this initiative in Pennsylvania, South Jersey, 
we would have the opportunity to put more of a focus on our states as well as the two cities that we have through the SEND initiative, the network. So I thought when he presented the opportunity for us to think about incorporating all of who we are into the SEND network, I thought it was a great idea because now by doing that, we can start a church anywhere in Pennsylvania and in our part of southern New Jersey, which is from Trenton all the way down to Cape May. And when we start that church with a church planter, we are afforded all the resources for that guy that the, that the guys were getting in the cities. So I felt like it was a great deal for us now in our states to where a guy could be serving and, and uh, planting, if you may, in rural Pennsylvania, yeah. and he would get the same opportunities, coaching, assessing, training, all of those things that a guy would get in the cities mm-hmm. now here in our own state. So I thought in order to enhance and strengthen our planting to one day get stronger in multiplication, I felt like this is the approach we needed to take because it's worked in the cities. Why not make it work? All across two states. No, that's really good. And I, I think, too, one of the, the things you said as far as the goals and the objectives of starting this was really about resourcing well mm-hmm. uh, and and making sure multiplication. We're setting people up and creating the conditions and the environment for multiplication because that, that means you have to be intentional on the front end. That doesn't just happen, right? We have to actually put that in the DNA, set the the systems, the structure, the strategy mm-hmm. to support support that. And I think also just redefining how Jesus looks at all these different areas. So a lot of times, depending on who you talk to, there tends to be a focus on a certain part of the life of Jesus. So some people will be like, Jesus is just about Jerusalem. And, and Jerusalem was a major city at that time when you look at it and within the, the context of that day. But then you start looking at all the other places he was at. I mean, you think about the places like Nazareth, where he spent 30 years of his life. It's a small town. And yet, in the midst of that small town, that was where development happened. That is where he was trained up. That Mm -hmm. was where we don't know exactly all that happened there. We're not told through the Gospels, but we know that was the preparation space for what would be his public ministry that we see play out. And so I, I always find it encouraging as we talk about not being a person who says it's this or that, but rather say, no, it's, it's both. It's both areas. It's both locales. It's, it's not minimizing the impact of each and every area and not to elevate one over the other, mm-hmm. but to recognize, no, they all have value. They all have significance, and they should be celebrated and supported in such a way that would allow them to be set up for success and we, we would define success really in the, the metrics of uh, disciple-making, multiplication, seeing people reached, communities changed and transformed. So we're not talking success just by sure number of people who are coming to a Sunday morning service, though we can definitely talk about that as part of that. But that's not the whole for us, you right. know, in our, our heart in that. And so as you and I have talked about this, you approached me about being a part of this Send PA South Jersey strategy. Can you tell the listeners exactly what you're envisioning for me and, and what my part will be in this? And again, just to help give context to what yeah. we're trying to accomplish. Well, Joe, um, first of all, I'm grateful that you're willing to do that and, and to help us 
and the Baptist Resource Network, as well as the North American Mission Board, mm. to be more proactive in Pennsylvania, South Jersey, and seeing more churches be started. Mm. So, um, you know, part of me dialoguing with you and us having the conversation and kind of dreaming this dream was, um, first of all, just watching how God has used you here at Riverbend Community mm. Church here in the valley you know, Allentown, Bethlehem area, and um, just seeing the amazing work that uh, under your leadership and, and seeing in your growth mm-hmm. how God has prepared you uh, to be an encourager mm-hmm. of helping foster more new church starts in our state mm-hmm. and uh, even, you know, in the other state of New Jersey. So, you know, for me, um, I see a lot of what you're going to be doing to help in this initiative as being that an encourager, being that cheerleader, being that champion mm-hmm. to to uh, help young guys that may be thinking about, is it me that God is calling to plant a church? Is it Pennsylvania? Is it New Jersey? Who do I talk to? Who knows about the place? Who can help me to understand how I could could step into that world and be successful in that place? And when I when I thought about, okay, who could be our champion, you were the one that came to mind because you understand the context. You you were a guy that came from the South, but you've made your life here. Hmm. You know, you married a Pennsylvanian. That's right. And uh, you married up. So yeah, that, that's amen wonderful. That. Amy's Dutchy Delight. That's what I call her, the Dutchy Delight. Pennsylvania Dutchy. <laughs> that's right. So you, ma- you <laughs> married into a, a relationship of a person who understood the context, which absolutely had to be a benefit, a huge benefit for you. So, you know, through that, you have established your life and your heart here in the valley. And I think if there's there's a lot of things I appreciate about you. But one thing that I really appreciate is the fact that um, you genuinely love people for mm-hmm. who they are and not mm-hmm. for what you want them to be. Mm-hmm. And you not only love people, you love the place mm-hmm. that God called you to. Mm-hmm. And those two dynamics I've seen over years of experience in pastoring and planting, usually what helps a guy stick to a place that he's called to, to either pastor or start a new church, are those two elements. Yeah. He loves the people and he loves the place. Mm-hmm. When I thought of needing a champion to elevate, hey, would you consider starting a church in Pennsylvania and New Jersey? What better guy would I want to go after that I know can model and teach and show the value of loving the place and the people in which God's called you to? And on top of that, the icing on the cake is is knowing how to be effective as a leader in a context that's not easy, that has a lot of challenges. But knowing that it can be done and many people can be reached with the gospel and a church can be started and thrive. So you understand. So let me add one more thing. Joe, I know you love to talk. You love people. And I know you have a lot of connections with people, not just in this state, but outside of the state. So another part of that is to help encourage partners and guys that are in other places to consider about coming here Mm -hmm. and either starting a church or helping someone who is starting a church. So reaching out to people beyond our bound, our state boundaries and, and saying, hey, would you consider coming alongside this guy who's starting a church in this place? He could use some partners to help encourage him and, and help him to be most successful. So, yeah, when I was thinking about who could help be the champion of this, what God did in you, hmm. 
and we will give him first and foremost Amen. credit. Amen you know, <laughs> what God did in you is why I've asked you and uh, have gotten the endorsement from the North American Mission Board for you to be that champion yeah. for Sin Pennsylvania, South Jersey. Well, I really appreciated just even the invitation, and it was a real high honor because a lot of our conversations leading up to this really had prepared both of us, I think, for this moment. Yeah. Because we had been really processing and praying through, okay, what what's needed next? And, man, I, I really appreciate your encouragement about just even loving people and, and the place. And in the midst of everything we're going to talk about today, I, I think it's really important that we all rem- be reminded of, and it's not just because Barry said this about me, but I think the principle applies no matter what you do. Mm-hmm. Are you a person marked with a love for people? Not, not for who they will become, but for who they are. And because as you love them where they are, then you're going to help them to rise up to where they could be and should be. You know, but you're going to love them to that place, mm-hmm. not not the other way around. Mm-hmm. That, that your love is conditional based off how they're doing, how they're performing, what's going on, and then the place. I, I think one of the the challenges right now is in the fear of missing out culture, and I know I've been guilty of this in my own life to miss the moment, to not be fully present, to to be looking at where we could be, or to look at tomorrow or to look at another place versus to engage right here, right now, this moment. And there's nothing wrong with going to see other places. So please don't hear me say that. We do need fresh perspective. I think it's great. But I think one of the dangers is if we start to believe, once I get somewhere else, then things get better. If I was only at this situation, this circus set of circumstances, this office area, this, uh, you know, this this company, this church, you fill in the blank, whatever it is. And a lot of times we think that the destination would change mm-hmm. the things within us, but really the the destinations only reveal what's already there, you know. And so we we got to be a people who I think really grow in our love for for people, but the places too, because. We do have a short amount of time on this earth Amen. and not to miss the places that he's put us in. And if I'm looking over my shoulder to where I've been, I can easily and I have at times missed the gift that's right in front of me sure. to where I'm at, where my two feet are planted at. And I, I know that for, for myself, that often causes unnecessary anxiety and striving and Really, the the gift of, of this moment in this day, the fact that we can right here in Lehigh Valley, Allentown, Pennsylvania, record this podcast. I mean, that's that's a real gift. And I know it seems small to, to those hearing this, but that's what a gift to have the ability to do that yeah, um, and, and not to, to miss mm-hmm. the gift of of what's here. And no matter what the size and scope of your area, your locale, I, I get it. Like I'm from Atlanta and I love Atlanta and there's nothing wrong with loving Atlanta. But I also love the Lehigh Valley, and you can love both places. That's, that's really uh, okay to do. You mm-hmm. should you should be able to, to do that. It doesn't have to be one or the other. But I think too many times, because there's a love affair with major cities sometimes, we can miss the gift of where we currently are. Amen. And I, I just want to encourage us and challenge us, not because I'm an expert. I'm one who's learning and growing in this area. Mm-hmm. And as Barry was so um, encouraging to me about those those areas, that's an area I want to continue to grow in. I want to not lose sight of the gift that's right in front of us. So as we think about places, uh, I, this really leads me to ask, 
as you look at the strategy for Send PA South Jersey, I know we've talked before, and I just wanted to hear from you about four specific areas. It doesn't mean there's not more, but you gave four specific areas that you desire to see new churches mm-hmm. started, multiplication continue to increase. Do you mind sharing with us what those four areas were? Yeah. Um, let me kind of rewind in my mind here what they were. I mean, I know one is right here where we are in the yeah. Lehigh Valley. Yeah. Um, it's no secret if you live here how fast this uh, area, this valley has grown. So it is, it is interesting, too, like you said that. I, I was uh, noticing they just built a Starbucks like a year ago over in, in, in the one new shopping center, mm-hmm. and now they're building another Starbucks uh, right here in Whitehall uh, by my, my brother's yeah. Chick-fil-A, literally right next to it. And I'm like, wow, that's really interesting for a time. Back in 2008, they were shutting Starbucks down, right? Because they couldn't keep it. But like you said, the, those area, the area here is growing. Yeah, it's growing, growing fast. And and another area that's growing really fast is over in the uh, Harrisburg, Lancaster, uh, York, um, that kind of South Central pocket that they would call it. So uh, the irony is that a lot of PA that's growing faster in valleys. Hmm. So you have the. Uh, the Cumberland Valley, which is over in Cumberland County, which is the fastest growing county in uh, Pennsylvania, just west of the capital of Harrisburg. Uh, you have the Susquehanna Valley, which is Harrisburg, going down through Lancaster in that area, growing rapidly. Um, you have the Lebanon Valley, you know, all of those areas. So it, it's, it's the irony is all of our val- valleys, if you may, in uh, eastern Pennsylvania, they are growing. So that's, uh, as I'm seeing it, that is, that's a target area for us when we think about the SIN uh, Pennsylvania South Jersey initiative, um, mainly because the projections are that in the next 8 to 10 years, you're going to see uh, some of these areas surpass some metro areas that are of size even in our nation. So um, I think part of this is... These areas have become bedroom communities, if you may, to our bigger cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are looking to establish their families in a place that's affordable and safe and uh, just feels that family-oriented environment. Yeah. I think that's a big reason why these areas are growing, because people now with the technology like we're doing today, yeah. they can work from home mm-hmm. and then maybe drive into a Philadelphia, a Baltimore, Washington, a New York once or twice a month, whatever, but they can work at home and they can live in a, a place that's just right for their family. So these are some areas. Uh, we've got some other areas up in the northeast part of Pennsylvania. Um, you know, that's our least evangelized area in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And uh, right. when you, you think... You're talking like Scranton, Wilkes-Barre. Yeah. So okay. they call that, I believe, the Wyoming Valley. Yes. So yeah. there's another yeah. valley for you. These are for the valley. Come on now. But, uh, <laughs> hey, there's a, there's about a million people in that valley. Mm-hmm. But it, it's by percentage-wise, you know, there's not as many Christ followers up there mm-hmm. as even in other parts of the state. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, you get into places certainly like our Send Cities, uh, and the the fringes or the areas around those, those are areas that we need to start more churches. So it's not so much uh, centralized in the city as it is in the kind of the surrounding areas around that. And then uh, South Jersey. Wow. You know, there's there's some people over there. There's millions over there. <laughs> and uh, again, that's just a nowhere, another lower evangelical area 
that uh, we need to start more churches in because it's ripe for the harvest there. So those are some of the areas, Joe, yeah, and, uh, I, I anywhere, yeah. anywhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I remember you talking about Trenton as one of those areas yeah. in South. State capital of New yeah, Jersey, South, absolutely. South Jersey, and as you look at that area, you know, in all of those areas, I think there's a lot of challenges with mm-hmm. it. One is uh, the speed of growth to, to catch up. So that's, that's one part. But then, you know, you start looking at the demographics and I would call them uh, some of the divides, you know, those who don't have, you know, in some of those communities, I, th- I think specifically like an area like Trenton, you know, there's, you know, crime is very high in that area, you know, um, you know, and, and really working through kind of how do you navigate those things. And that's where I think even for us, our, our strategy, our model across the board is not just about, hey, let's go and plant a church. Mm-hmm. No, let, let's go in and be a, a church that's for the city and in it. And so we're we're not just a pastor of a church; we're a pastor of a community, and we want to really help meet the tangible needs there, whether that's crime or, you know, hunger or you know, people being tutored, um, you know, all kinds of other issues that you know, job job training, job placement help, you know, all these things that are really tangible things, and that's not limited to those. Uh, two communities, you know, I think even here in the Valley, we, we've got all kinds of opportunities uh, mm-hmm. to really work through sure. how do we continue to uh, train up and, and develop people, you know, and I've said this in the podcast before, but I'm always talking to employers and their major hangup right now is they have the jobs, but they don't have the people. And that's a problem, you know, and there's a lot of reasons why that is, but a lot of people have not been developed. A lot of mm-hmm. people have not been trained up. A lot of people don't have a family unit or support system to really set them up for success. And so I think all those things really uh, play into uh, play play into how we're going to go about really seeing communities uh, transformed and seeing uh, renewal and, and restoration mm-hmm. lived out in those areas. Mm-hmm. And so as you, you think about some of those challenges. Barry, what, what are some challenges that come to your mind that maybe I haven't mentioned yet? Well, when I think about some of these areas, I think um, a huge challenge, you know, we're we're a state that has a lot of small cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when outsiders look at Pennsylvania, let's say, um, they're usually thinking of two cities. First, Philadelphia, and then Pittsburgh. Mm. But the reality is a lot of who we are in Pennsylvania is is kind of just in these smaller settings of these smaller cities. And with those, you know, it, it affords us the opportunity to reach a lot of people. So um, one there was a day one time I was up in State College, hmm. which if you don't know where that's at, that's where Penn State University is hmm. located. Hmm. And uh, we were talking to this gentleman, one of the merchants there, if you may, and uh, he asked where we live, and we told him, I, I live in Lebanon. And he said, oh, you're down there with the, in the big city of small towns. Hmm. And I thought, well, that's an interesting way to describe <laughs> that area. And I said, what do you mean by that? And he said, you got a whole lot of people, but there's not really any city that's over 50,000, 60,000. Hmm. And, you know, when I explored that, he was right, <laughs> you know. You got two million people basically in that area around Harrisburg when you include York, Lancaster, Lebanon, Reading. I mean, there's a lot of people, but no city is over 60,000. Hmm. 
But interesting enough, when you get in every one of those small cities, they have the same challenges and dynamics that a Philadelphia and a Pittsburgh have. Hmm. They have the homeless. They have crime. They have people who are hurting, struggling in poverty. Mm -hmm. They have educational challenges. So I think one of the things that I could see happening, not only in our bigger cities like Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, but when you think of a Trenton and you think of a Camden, when you think of a Harrisburg, when you think of a Lancaster, when you think of an Allentown, when you think of an Altoona, a Scranton, a Wilkesbury, is we need to learn to do uh, ministry well in those settings. Learning to love people for who they are Mm -hmm. and not what we want them to be. With the hope as we love them, it affords us the opportunity to share the gospel with them. So I see an opportunity for us and even in a connection into starting churches that we could be a people that is more compassionate Mm-hmm. to people struggling in in small towns and small cities by learning how to do what we call compassion ministry. Yeah. And that's being able to go and help people to that are struggling with uh, physical challenges, practical challenges, emotional challenges, and certainly the spiritual challenge of not having Jesus Christ in their life and be that salt and light in that world to be able to give them something and come alongside of them and to encourage them through love that there is hope in Jesus Christ. So I'm not sure if that answers your question. No, I think that does, but what, yeah. I, what I see as a connecting point moving forward for the church is we need to know, learn how to love well mm-hmm. and love more and show the world the love of Christ yeah, yeah. and not expect them to just kind of walk into that. But they walk into that because we have been intentional in our efforts to love them in the name of Jesus unconditionally. And we went to them to meet where they are with the hope that they'll embrace what we found Mm -hmm. through Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I I think across the board, if you're hearing hearing this and you're, you know, not exactly sure where you are with Jesus and you're going to process that and what that means for you, I, I think you would agree that the biggest hindrance is towards people's uh, viewpoint of the church is our lack of compassion and love. The fact that there, we tend to be a callous people. Yes. Um, unfortunately, and that's not the way it's supposed to be. Especially when your leader is Jesus, who is marked by compassion. Right? You have compassion on people, and compassion means to to feel from the inside to the point where you go do something about it to provide relief. You know, and I think about that even across uh, across the board uh, as you are looking at this in your own life. Who could you be compassionate towards? You know, who are the people right in front of you? I think it's important that it starts with us being compassionate towards ourselves and being kind, because then out of that we can be kind and compassionate to others and and meet those tangible needs. And if you're a leader or you are part of an organization, the, the truth of the matter is we want to be a part of something that's marked by compassion. <laughs> we want to be a people. Who are doing that? I think about even some of the things we're doing coming up here. We're, we're about to do Night to Shine for the fourth year, which is a special needs prom mm-hmm. with the Tim Tebow Foundation. I mean, we're talking about hundreds of people from our community rallying around this event. And not all of them are, are followers of Jesus. Not all of them are part of a church. But it's really about local businesses, leaders, churches, all kinds of people coming together because we really believe that this group of people who, who are often forgotten shouldn't be forgotten. They should be celebrated, that their parents deserve a break, 
They deserve a night out so we can take care of their kids, give them a great night and get on the dance floor, do my best Beyonce single ladies dance, uh, you know, and, and have a great time, you know, doing that uh, with with that community. But again, it's a it's a mark of being led by compassion because we really want to join Jesus in what you said before about his authority and his leadership. We want to bring his kingdom ways to the earth. We're not just looking to get to heaven. We're looking to bring heaven to earth. We're looking to get heaven into us. <laughs> We're like wanting that to manifest throughout this area. And I, I think that is really important that we don't lose sight of that being a, a person marked by compassion produces more compassion and allows people to be opened up to it. It, it allows people to be opened up to uh, you, first of all, mm-hmm. but then even what you're going to share with them. And so it provides that vehicle and that opportunity. And then I think of something else we're doing, uh, which is, you know, uh, we're, we're doing this business breakfast with Jeff Henderson on March 26. And this guy's mm-hmm. uh, worked for the Chick-fil-A marketing for many years and then became a pastor. And he wrote mm-hmm. this book, Know What You're For. And I've been sending out this invite to let people know about this, these, that he's doing this breakfast. He's, you know, according to Forbes, one of the uh, top 15 speakers that you need to listen to and hear. And, and so people are so excited about coming for that. But for them, they're like, wow, you thought of me and you're creating an opportunity for me to be invested in and poured into, which is pretty uncommon in our areas, the areas you're mm-hmm. talking about, because they're not major, we're not considered per se, quote unquote, a major city, though we, we are the third largest area in the state of Pennsylvania. I think those acts of kindness and compassion, they have a way of captivating people and saying, I, I don't know exactly what I think about this whole Jesus thing, but I'm, I'm willing to be open to you and open to, to even sharing a bit about how he's changed you mm-hmm. and changed your life. And I think that's the power of, of acts of compassion. So as we think about multiplication, as we think about compassion, I wanted to ask you, Barry, about, you know, when you think about that idea and about multiplication and, and movements based around multiplication, what does that mean for you? You know, can you define that, a multiplication movement? And, and how are they established? Well, I think, and, and this is just me, I think multiplication really only begins to happen when we truly understand that there first must be reproduction. Mm-hmm. So what do I mean by that? Um, you can't get to the place that things are multiplied until something is reproduced. Mm-hmm. You know, um, The Bible tells us that multiplication is an important thing. Mm-hmm. The book of Genesis God said to the first two people he created, be fruitful and multiply. multiply. Yep. The fruit would come from them having children who would have children who would have children. That's multiplication. Mm-hmm. And uh, he told us as the church before he sent it into heaven after his resurrection that we are to go and make disciples. And literally what that means is we're to make disciples who will make disciples. That leads to multiplication. So we were built as a people and as um, an, a living organism, as a church, to multiply. Hmm. So the first thing I think about with multiplication is, is, first of all, do we understand 
that we have to reproduce ourselves to get to the place of multiplication. Another thing I think we need to look at is, are there anything that hinder us as people, as Christ followers in the church, from being able to reproduce in order to multiply? Is there anything in the way? Is there anything I fabricated? Is there anything around me in an organization that's been fabricated that actually hinders the possibility for there to be any movement of getting to a place of multiplication? Mm -hmm. I think we know today that there are things that hindered us from that. We've created things that hinder um, because we create things to make us sometimes comfortable Mm -hmm. and even unwilling to go beyond ourselves Mm -hmm. and to be a part of God's genius of the fact he put us here for the purpose of reproducing so that we could reproduce people who would come into a relationship with him just like we know him. Good, healthy reproduction turns into a movement which ultimately gets after the multiplication of things. Hmm. So, no, and I think about that too as, as we look at multiplication, and you and I have talked so much about this. There's a difference between addition. Mm-hmm. You know, addition is what we commonly know about. So it's like, hey, uh, I'm here, you know, and then uh, Barry and I are working together. And I say, Barry, we're sending you to start a church mm-hmm. that we would call that addition. Right. right. But then the difference is when Barry says, hey, we need to start with addition in order to get to multiplication uh, in this context. Barry says, hey, I've been sent out. Now I'm going to actually go and send out somebody to start a church. We see multiplication happen. And, and you see this actually happen throughout organizational life, too. You see this happen in households. Mm-hmm. You know, when you think about multiplication, not just in the reprodu- reproduction sense of the word, but even the idea of, hey, I'm pouring into you so you can pour into others so then they can pour into others. It's the idea of what you see all throughout the playoff run in the NFL. There's coaching trees. Mm-hmm. All around. What's a coaching tree? Well, a coaching tree is multiplication. It's, hey, there's a coach who had uh, uh, mentored people underneath them, and then they go on to coach, and then they have mentors under them, and then they go on to coach. That's a mark of a healthy leader when multiplication is happening. And I I think that's really important for us to examine. How could we go about multiplying in whatever context we find ourselves in, because one of the greatest hindrances to movement and health in any organization is when you are the stopgap. When it all stops with you, that means movement is hindered. Amen. So if we're going to be intentionally sharing the load of leadership, and if we're going to develop people, not just to offload stuff, because that's not even a lot of times people say that, and I think they miss the, the heart of it. Offloading just to offload is not what I would consider healthy multiplication. Mm-hmm. Offloading to help develop and to raise up people's leadership giftings so that they can be further equipped, that is the mark of health. That is the mark of a healthy leader that understands, hey, I'm going to walk with you through this process. We're going to be in it together. I'm going to give you helpful feedback that aligns with your vision and the vision that we have set out and the goals that we have. But then I want you to do that for somebody else. I don't want it to stop with you. And one of the, the, the challenges for leadership is that we think this just happens, that leaders are just made. No, they're not just made. <laughs> Someone has to actually intentionally pour 
into somebody else and then they intentionally pour into somebody else. And you have to keep beating that drum again and again and again, because what's easy to do is it's easy to drift away from that intentional multiplicational movement because there's so much stuff that you're focused on. There's so many things that need to get done. There's so much, uh, so much that you're looking ahead at that you can forget that this doesn't just happen by itself. This happens with intentionality, and this happens with systems that you build out to make it happen. You know, they're part of this podcast. The reason I started it was how can I multiply what I'm hearing from others? Because I'm in so many great conversations. Yeah. How do we get this conversation out? Sure. How do we let others into it? And so it's helping my development as a leader while then helping others in their development. And so as we, we think about that, you need to be asking yourself the question. How am I a person who's participating in multiplication? Who could I multiply into to see a multiplication movement increase? And then what's hindering multiplication? Are there things I'm doing? Are there behaviors? Am I a control freak? Mm-hmm. Am, am, I, am I saying it's got to be this way? And because it's not that way, even though it may be 75% <laughs> the way that you would like it done, um, does, does that hinder multiplication? Because... Just in case you didn't know, that person you're asking to do what you're asking to do is not you. Hey Joe, you know, I, I would make a guess. You, you yeah. brought up the uh, the illustration of football and the coaching tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'd make a guess that if you could get some of the uh, Bill Belichicks in the room, you know, the coach of the New England Patriots has been around a long time, the Pete Carroll's yeah. Seahawks coach, that they would probably tell you that their greatest satisfaction in life has been to see those that they raised up yeah. um, become leaders who mm-hmm. now are raising up leaders. That's right. I think that's something that we've lost um, in the church and even in the world. The value, the important value that one of the most significant things that I can do in life is to ensure that I have poured my life into others who have reproduced into others. And because I have done that, whatever I've had my hands on is actually continued on and actually developed even to a better place than when I had my hands on it. Mm -hmm. I think we've lost as a people the value of reaching into the next generation, pouring into the next generation so that they can learn from that and do that and that it can be actually more fruitful and and helpful in itself to a society, to a church, to whatever it is. So my guess is, you know, that's really, really the deepest satisfaction in life. You can get a diploma, you can get a trophy, but there's nothing like the long-lasting legacy of watching somebody flourish because you spent hours and time investing in them. And because you did, you begin to watch and see the growth of their life and how that's multiplied mm-hmm. from their own life into others. So, Yeah, and I think, too, I think what you said is really spot on. Is, is what are we celebrating? Are we celebrating multiplication? Yes. Are we celebrating uh, something else that may be a sub our goal compared to seeing other leaders raised up. And I think one of the challenges for leaders is when our insecurity plays into it a bit. So what does insecurity look like? Well, if they do it better than me, I'll be forgotten where I have no place. And I like to tell leaders, wait a minute, like, no, your place, what you've just done is you've set yourself free to have more margin and space to lean in further to your calling. 
which is the goal of raising up more leaders. That's one of your main objectives and goals. And to have the the margin in the space to then oversee and lead and direct in fresh new ways because you've chosen to empower others. Wow, what what a gift that is. But a lot of times in the, the initial part of it, just like when you're doing something new, it's going to feel uncomfortable and it's going to feel uncertain. And you're going to feel like you're, you know, I've been going to the gym with these guys called the Wolfpack. And they have all kinds of crazy workouts that they do. You know, they, they like to, you know, get on the floor and then howl like wolves. No, I'm just kidding. They don't do that. <laughs> Mary's like, what is that? Mary's like, well, I, don't, I wouldn't put it past it. CrossFit. I mean, that sounds like something CrossFit would do. Uh, but, but basically, you know, they have these things like a box jump. Yeah. You know, and I, I haven't done a lot of that. And it feels uncomfortable initially. Yeah. You know, I'm afraid am I going to drop the bar as I'm going up on a box jump? You know, and, and yet if you stay with it, what does it do long term? It produces health. Yeah. It makes me more effective long term. And I think the same thing with leadership and multiplication. It will feel uncomfortable at times, but that's okay. That's how growth actually happens. But you got to stay with it. You got to be willing to uh, to stay with it and, and go the long distance when it comes to, to that area yeah. of multiplication. Because again, I think a lot of times we get distracted or insecurity plays into it. And that's what hinders us. Is there anything else that you would say hinders us from being about multiplication through leadership? Well, I think, you know, and this could be a long, long conversation, but, you know, in my mind, any time that you build more complexity into who you are as a person or into an organization, you begin to limit how much multiplication can take place down the road. Mm -hmm. Simplicity is your best friend. You know, you don't you don't need a lot of bells and whistles to get to the place to where you could actually reproduce yourself. And and the reproduction goes beyond that to where one day you see multiplication. Hmm. You just need to be effective and doing the right things and making sure that you're growing and getting stronger in the right things and not feeling like you got to add all this stuff and continue to add on more and more and more. People think more sometimes is better, and more will give the best results. So when you're talking about multiplication, usually there's never a movement of multiplication when there's a lot of complexity in the equation. So I've learned to keep things simple and more direct and work hard in that is usually your best bet Mm -hmm. of seeing multiplication played out. Well, and I think, too, like what you said is is the, the difference between simplicity and complexity. Complexity has the appearance of intelligent and polished, if you want to use that phrase. But really, simplicity, it takes a a lot more intelligence and creativity and innovation Mm -hmm. to take what needs to happen and to create it and communicate it in a coherent but simple way. Mm -hmm. That that takes a lot of thinking uh, and a lot of genius to do because without... The simplicity, I think people get lost in the, in the, uh, we've been using this phrase a lot lately, in the weeds. And, you know, and when you're stuck in the weeds, you cannot see clearly. When you're in the weeds always, you can't see clearly. You, yeah. and, and that's a lot of times what can happen with complexity, complexity and bureaucracy is, you know, it, there's so many layers to it that you can't even see where you're going. You're, there's not clarity. Where simplicity says, hey, no, we've done the intentional work to put in the effort and thought 
to understand and unpack what it is that we want to see happen, what it is we don't want to see happen, where is it that we're trying to go, how are we going to go there, how do we get there, all these kind of questions that are, are really important to that. So if you think about that, Barry, the idea of simplicity versus complexity, how would you encourage someone, and this may be a difficult question to answer, I'm about to ask, to go about creating simple processes. Like what are steps that you would say, hey, as you think about your own processes with simplicity versus complexity, how would you advise people to do that? Ooh, that is a that's a big question. You're um, welcome. I think yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. I think my first approach, and I'll think of me as an individual, um, I would be more inclined to seek out wisdom over knowledge. Hmm. Wisdom in my walk has helped me to stay, um, I don't want to say simple, but, you know, to live more simplistically, Mm -hmm. to be more focused, Mm -hmm. to practice behaviors that produce results. Mm -hmm. Um, Not just the, the obtaining of knowledge all the time and knowledge and more knowledge and more knowledge. We think that always leads to growth and ultimately to reproduction and multiplication. That's not the truth. Usually what helps something to, to be productive is because there's, there's wisdom that has surrounded that person to help them to walk through. They, they a lot of times know, and they know where to get information to know more. But do they have the wise one around them to help them deal with uh, answers to questions that they have, to deal with dynamics that they're going through, mm-hmm. to help pull out of them what maybe God has already put within them. Knowledge doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. Wisdom does. Mm-hmm. And in my journey, when I was a young man, I had a guy tell me one time, he was an elder in our church, and before I went off to seminary, he looked me straight in the eye and he said this, always remember that knowledge on fire can be wisdom on ice. And I've never forgotten that. Hmm. Hmm. The Bible teaches seek wisdom. Hmm. Knowledge isn't bad, and we all need to know some things, but we're in a world where we're in, inundated with it. You know, I've got books in my library, at my house. I've got it in my office, at where I work. Um, I've got the Internet. You know, we can get knowledge all the time, and we need to know things. We need to grow in knowledge. But the Bible talks about wisdom being so much more superior Mm. than knowledge. Mm. You know, God is our wisdom. And I think the more someone has with wise counsel and people around them to pull out of them what God's already put in them, I think that leads to multiplication. That's good, man. Because I've seen that in my own life. Yeah, so when you say wisdom, just as you define that, uh, can can you give a working definition for people? Well, wisdom would be um, just an understanding of how you need to approach life and things in life. So wisdom for me comes from God. So what does God say? Because he's all knowing, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, he's all powerful. You know, he's all present as we understand. So when the Bible says seek wisdom, it's actually seeking the one who created you because when you seek his ways and his will, you got what you need in life. That's the way it was all set up. So for me, wisdom goes right to God. 
Mm-hmm. And wisdom helps me to understand what I need to know how to function and live in life. So for me, any given day, I'd rather have wisdom over knowledge. Yeah, First good. of all, God taught me that's what matters I mean, the most. Yeah. Well, and I think even understanding, like when you look at wisdom, you know, there are three ways that we can look at life. There's, you know, hindsight, insight, and foresight. foresight. You know, those are the three three ideas here. And wisdom obviously can use all three of those things. You know, wisdom says, hey, hindsight, let's, you're only wise when you learn from your experiences, both good and bad, right? So mm-hmm. it's not just I had experiences. Mm-hmm. No, I learned from them. Insight is, hey, I'm in a podcast interview right now with Barry Whitworth, and he's laying knowledge down, right, and, and giving me uh, practical tips and thoughts around multiplication and a variety of other subjects. So that those are those are some insights. But foresight says, hey, as I look forward to what life is going to be about and, and what's going to come, there is a way to be aligned with the design of wisdom. There is a way to be forward thinking in that way. There's a way to um, really even be able to ask First, as you said before, what does the Lord say about the specific subject and aligning myself with that? And that means getting in the scripture and, and reading it. You know, I've been trying to read a psalm and a proverb a day, uh, but intentionally saying, hey, how am I anchoring myself in what he says? You know, like today I read Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And what does mm-hmm. that mean? Well, he wants to shepherd me through the things I'm, I'm overseeing and I'm leading and the, the stresses in my life so I can shepherd others. So I can shepherd my son, Ray, Yeah, you know, so I can lead and shepherding isn't just caretaking. That's not what that means. It means to lead. It means to, Hey, we're, we're going mm-hmm. in this direction. Then I think the other part of that is, is seeking wisdom and, and talking to others, man, are, are we surrounding ourselves with people who are helping us live out the values of multiplication and even the values that we say we are about and desire to see happen in our lives? Because you're not going to get to where you want to go by yourself. And you're not going to get there without intentional steps with the environment that you create. And I just heard this great podcast today with Greg uh, Keller from uh, Keller and Williams. And, and, you know, as he talks about his own life and journey, he says it's the people that he surrounds himself with that allows him to do what he's doing. And and that's so true for us all. And the scriptures Mm -hmm. teach of that, you know, like they talk of, Hey, who are you surrounding yourself with? And it's been said before, you know, show me your friends. I'll show you your future. Yeah. Show me your friends. I'll show you your future because people who, it doesn't mean you have to always see eye to eye, but are we going in the same direction? Do we have Mm -hmm. the same, uh, focus to our lives, you know, and that doesn't mean there's not uniquenesses, but are we going in that direction? I think the last way too is is learning from uh, the stories of others mm-hmm. you know whether that's sitting down with somebody and saying hey i want to take you out to lunch my treat will you just give me 45 minutes and, and if you're going to do that by the way come with a list of questions honor the 45 minute time thank them and then send a thank you note following up <laughs> let them know hey i appreciated you taking the time to do this you know, and you can do that by reading people's biographies as well. There's all kinds of ways that we can grow in wisdom. And and I've seen that really even in my own life, what you said about multiplication, whether it's in the specifics of what you lead, Barry, but even the areas of my own life where there, there are uh, times where I'm at this crossroads. Mm-hmm. And instead of trying to solve it in my own self, I've started to recognize more clearly 
what does wisdom say? I've been asking myself that. Well, I, it says, you know, if you want wisdom to go and get it. And if you get it, Make it's it. worth more than silver and gold. And so what, what do you do? Well, I walked through that same process I just laid out. And recently we had a key decision that needed to be made. What did I do? I didn't try to solve it myself. And past, years passed because I was an insecure leader. I thought, I have to come up with an answer. But as you grow in your maturity and you understand, no, 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 I don't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. That's okay. <laughs> I don't have to. That's right. I don't have to project that I do. Mm-hmm. I can go and, and let others in and I can let yeah. trusted advisors, right? A multitude of counselors, not a multitude of opinions, by the way, a multitude of counselors, <laughs> people who have a track record of wisdom and, and insights and have really shown themselves to be a prudent people, I want to surround myself with because they're going to help me decipher and discern what is it in my own life, but even in my leadership, what's God put in me. Uh, and doesn't mean they're going to always say what I, I want to hear. A lot of times they won't. But I, if I really want wisdom, it doesn't matter what I want mm. to hear or don't want to hear. What does wisdom say? Yeah, amen. You know, so across the board, I, I think that applies for all of us. Yeah, I mean, that is a good word, Barry, about just the difference between wisdom, wisdom and knowledge. Yeah, man. Never, amen. You'll, you'll never go wrong. Seek wisdom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as we think about this idea of, of multiplication and, and wisdom, I wanted to ask you if potential church planners or ministry partners want to get involved with the work you are leading how could they do that? Like, what what are ways if if potential church planners and ministry partners, whoever listen to this, how could they you know get involved with this? Well, first thing you do is let's have a conversation. Yep. Um, you know, there there are many ways you can get involved. Um, you can get involved in saying, "Hey, I personally want to start a church," or "I personally want to help with a church uh, get started." Um, First thing is, let's have a conversation because there are so many opportunities. But for me, I think what would be important for anybody listening in, if they were to ask that question, is I want you to have the right opportunity. Mm -hmm. I want you to be where God wants you to be because as you step into that, it's just not so that you can impact a situation or a place by maybe starting a church or helping in the start of a church. But uh, it's a journey to do that, but it's a journey for you. Mm-hmm. So God's wanting to do something in you in your own character and your own life so that you might develop and you might be drawn and to a deeper relationship with him. So we, we tend to forget, even though we step into dynamics, um, we think we're doing it like a, as a job, yeah. it's a duty, but the reality of that many times that's overlooked and missed, this is where wisdom has helped me in life is, um, it's really a lot, to, maybe more, to do with what God's about to do in you than what the outcome in that place might be. So let's have a conversation yeah. because we want you to be in the right place at the right time mm-hmm. so that becomes a right fit because there's more than just one outcome that should come from that. You're a part of that outcome as a person as well. So I would say have, let's have a conversation. That's good. And I was going to say, too, as, as we um, towards the end of our, our uh, podcast here, we'll, we'll let you know of, of ways you can find out more information as well and, and some things that are on the horizons and, and all that kind of stuff. But I, I think it really is important. My biggest question for people is, what is God calling you to? Yeah. 
So when I talk to people in the marketplace, they say, man, I feel like God's calling me to ministry. I like to just say to them, well, first of all, you already are in ministry. <laughs> uh, let's let's like go ahead and have that conversation. Are you talking about like vocational church ministry? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, well, why, what makes you feel that way? Yeah. You know, and, and really able to help decipher with them. Well, I don't, I, I think a lot of times people want to come over sometimes because of, they feel like it's what they're doing is lesser. Yeah. And I think what you said is so good. It doesn't mean that he, that he may be, not, he may be calling them to start a church, but we want to, we want to help you to discern that. Like what does God exactly have for you? Because that's what we really want for you. We, we want that more than, Oh, we have another church started here. Yeah. You know, like ringing a bell. <laughs> this is, I mean, that's exciting, but it's not exciting if it's not exactly what God has for you. Cause that's the measure of success to do what he's asked of you when he's asked you to do it and how he's asked you to do it. Yeah. You know, and we want to be faithful to that. So Barry, as you think about your own leadership, obviously we're talking about multiplication in leadership. One of the things that you oversee is a, a big team. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many people do you oversee in, in your well, staff we team? Have, we have about 22 right now on our team, uh, whether they're employed or contracted. So, you know, it's, it's not really big, but it's not small either. Yeah. yeah. You know, so it, it can be a challenge some days and it's a blessing in other days. Yeah. Yeah. So So what, as you think about that, like, uh, what are, what are the, since you said it that way, what are the, the challenges with it and what are the blessings with it? I think part of the challenges and anytime you're working with a team is, um, are you constantly aware and leaning in where you believe you need to go? Mm -hmm. You know, um, are you, position to where your activity on any given day or any given week is more reacting to things or are you actually one of those that's proactive Mm -hmm. to be involved in things that are going to stimulate change change you know in our world and the work that we do change that'll lead to health yeah good health will multiply we've been talking about a lot of that but the only, you know, yeah, bad health can multiply. That's true, but we want good health mm-hmm. to multiply. So, you know, when I think about our team, it's it's teaching them and 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 hoping that they're leaning in more to be proactive, that they're they're dreaming about first of all what God wants them to do and become in their work that will ultimately produce something healthy in our culture that will create change to see more people to come to faith in Jesus Christ, to, mm-hmm. to be a part of the kingdom of God, be born again into the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, I, I think it's just, you know, uh, how can I say it, Joe? Many times it's easier to, to lean back and to pull from than it is to reach out and pull to, mm-hmm. And for me, that's what's significant for our team is to reach out and pull to where you need to go. Don't don't pull back. Don't pull from the past. Reach ahead. Yeah. Because that's where the fruit lies. Yeah. So and I think does that all, answer your question? Yeah, it's really good. I think for all of us, right? Complain. We can get a little compliant um, and comfortable. And when we're going into unknown territory and charting through that, while on the other side of it. There'll be a reward, uh, you know. It doesn't mean it will always be easy, but the rewards, you know, are are worth the risk, especially mm-hmm. if you're intentional with thinking through what it is that you're exactly doing. And I think it's so easy to silo ourselves off. Yeah, 
you know, instead of saying, hey, directionally, we're going in this area, we're going in this way, even though it will cost some things, even though, and it's going to cost us all something, yeah. you know, it costs you something, Barry, I mean, yeah. energy and, and leading through that and, and all those things. What's the joy, you would say, of, of the team and... The joy of the team is just watching. It kind of goes back to the, the mentoring yeah. and the hope, you know, of some of the analogies we've used in this conversation of seeing them grow, mm-hmm. seeing them reproduce from themselves, for them being, pour, being able to pour into those around them. So you see others begin to step up and get involved and potentially could be someone in the future that could take their place. So I think that's the joy that I see, you know, the so joy good. of of seeing team beginning to build and, and mesh together, working as one for the sake of, um, of of doing the work that we're called to, to help see health. Yeah. So one day it will lead to multiplication. So, you know, that's what gives me joy. There's a lot sometimes things that don't. But uh, that's one of the things that gives me a lot of joy. Well, that's, that's leadership, yeah. right? I mean, there's a yeah. there's a component where I, I think I realized uh, recently that the the challenge with leadership is that you're dealing with compassion fatigue and organizational fatigue. Yes. At the same time, so simultaneously, you're dealing with these two yeah. realities that tire you out, yeah. and that's why we have to have places where we're refreshed and we're refueling and, and allowing um, people in. That are safe. They don't need anything necessarily from us. Yeah. They just they love us. <laughs> um, you know, we we um, remind ourselves or and are reminded by God, like what has He called us to? What does mm-hmm. He say about us? Not based on our performance, but of, of who we are and what we do. And then I think that that recreational thing of of hey, what's what's redemptive rest look like for me? I know for for you, it's going outdoors and hunting and mm-hmm. being out there. You know, for me, playing basketball is one of those things I just mm-hmm. love to do. Like. Uh, you know, watching sports sometimes is really refueling. Yeah. Watching a good movie, you know, finding these things in our lives to to refuel us um, is really important in that. Um, and so, as you think about that, like organizing, you know, compassion fatigue and organizational fatigue, how do you fight that in your own journey? How do you come against that? Because well, it's inevitable, by the way. I, I don't. Oh wanna... yeah, it happens. <laughs> it happens to me. I mean, uh, it's having those. Um, close friends that you can trust Mm -hmm. that you can talk to certainly my spouse beth is one of them the closest but uh it's having others that um will lean into your world from time to time and joe you're great with this Mm. so how you doing Mm. you know um, how can i encourage you Mm. uh so when you don't have that that's when the fatigue sets in that's when the fatigue becomes more than you want to bear that's when the frustrations set in. And then with frustrations, that multiplies yeah. in, in a bad way. So um, I, I, for me, it's just having a few close, trusted friends mm-hmm. that I know that I can go to and say, hey, I'm dealing with this or this is what's happening. And just knowing that they may not have the solution. I don't ever expect that. But knowing that somebody has an ear to care. And uh, in that, I know they'll pray for me. And I know that if I just, you know, need to say whatever I need to say, they'll hear it mm-hmm. and take it and um, just help me to work through it. Yeah. So that's that's how I get through that. You know, oh, that's good. And, and, you know, one of the things I you know, want to throw out to the audience that um, it's just a reality. We don't talk about a lot. We have an enemy. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we you know, 
if if I wasn't a follower of Christ, I wouldn't think about having a an enemy that's wanting to tear me apart spiritually. Yeah. Because I'm a spiritual being just as well as I'm a physical being. Mm-hmm. But the reality of, of now knowing I'm a Christ follower and and having leaned in and understand what the Bible says, there is an ever-present enemy that is seeking daily to defeat me. And, um, you know, Jesus says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Mm -hmm. So Jesus is greater in me, and that's the empowerment I have to have victory over fatigue and the challenges that come to life. But also need to be aware, there's one out there that in any given moment, he'd love to take me down, take me out. That's right. And... um, you know, we need to we need to have friends around us to help us to work through when that guy may be shooting at us and we're not really aware that that's happening mm-hmm. of, of how to work through that yeah. and to get the energy back and the victory from that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah challenges. I, I, yeah. And I think even as you think about that, the spiritual warfare component, I think friends is a big part of that. I also think creating those healthy rhythms, because I think the enemy loves the plague on yeah. When you're exhausted, it's, there's a quote that I often quote my, to myself when I'm exhausted. Fatigue makes cowards of us all. And, you know, fatigue has a way of making us shrink back and be yeah. fearful. And I think the enemy loves to play on that. So I think there's a time where you just need to put your work aside yeah. and rest. Sometimes rest. that means literally taking a nap. <laughs> Sometimes that means going to bed early. Sometimes that... Uh, looks like walk in the woods, walk in the woods, right? <laughs> Sometimes that means, you know, going to the gym. Yeah. Sometimes you know, there's a variety of things, yeah. but understanding how he, he loves to, to plague on that. And that because we are, we got, we are in a culture of information overload. We can easily deci- deceive ourselves or be deceived by the enemy that, uh, you know, more is the same thing as productivity. Mm-hmm. Or that we're moving is the same thing as real action, and it's not. Yeah. And so we want to make sure that we're in a healthy place because as we're healthy as leaders, then we can lead not only ourselves well, which is the hardest person to lead, by the way, then we can lead the other people around us, starting with our families mm-hmm. and then the people that we're overseeing. We lead them well mm-hmm. when we're healthy and because then we remind them, hey, this is what matters. This is what's important. Yes. What I do really matters, but who I'm becoming is even more important. Yeah. And so we, we got to make sure we're paying attention to that because the enemy is so, so sneaky. He loves to get us in the regret of yesterday and he loves for us to worry about tomorrow. Yeah. And that's why Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things are going to be added unto you. You know, don't worry. Turn your worry into worship. We've talked about that recently at Riverbend, you know, and strive less and surrender more. These are all ways that we do that. So as you think about the organization and you talked about the sorrows and the joys, what are some qualities, Barry, you're looking for in teammates? And I think this goes across the board, both in the team you oversee, but even people who are going to join the family here, starting new churches and Mm -hmm. and other ways in which, what are some of those qualities you're looking for in teammates? Well, what I'm looking for in teammates are... um People that first and foremost, you just said the scripture in Matthew six thirty three. Yep. They seek first the kingdom, and uh, what that means. Anytime there's a kingdom, there's usually a king. <laughs> so we seek first what Jesus wants, and we are bent and determined on doing what our King Jesus has asked us to do. Yeah. You know, um, I think another key element of that is a person of faith, prayer. 
you know, yeah. someone who, who seeks the Lord. You know, Jesus said, uh, so when you pray, you pray. Yeah. You know, our Father who's in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come. So not only do we want to be seeking the king, but we want to, you know, we want to be talking to him and asking him what he's wanting. So first and foremost, it's all about the That's kingdom. Yeah. Uh, with that, you tend to have an attitude of, you know, okay, um, I, I want to have teammates that are willing to go above and beyond mm-hmm. because I've never seen a successful Christ follower that hasn't been willing to go above and beyond uh, in any situation of, of where they are. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I want to see people that are bold and brave. Mm-hmm. I want to see people that are capable and credible. Mm-hmm. I want to see people who are determined and decisive to give everything they can mm-hmm. to be the best for the king. So those are some kind of values that I look at that I want to see in our teammates. Yeah. And above all, I want us to reproduce ourselves. Yeah. You know, it doesn't end with me. Mm-hmm. You know, I was recently asked by one of my teammates, so are you are you looking to like kind of retire or get out of this? Cause, and I said, no, where'd you hear that? And he said, well, you've been talking a lot about we need to be finding the next one to take our place. I need to be finding the next one to take our place. And I said, yes, I'm saying that to teach us that we've got to develop people for the future. I'm not going anywhere right now. You know, God's sending me about that. So it's, it's you know, I'm looking for people that it doesn't end with themselves. That's right. You know, they're actually determined to, to be bent on making sure that they're going to re- reproduce someone beyond themselves. Mm-hmm. So. So good, and I would add to that too, which you you hit on is I want to see people with uh, humility and teachability. I want to see a real love for people in place. And we yeah. talked about these, and that things. would be another one that I you said know, earlier. It's like, really huge. Yeah, I, I think all those things are part of of that. I want I want to see people who are solution oriented, not just problem oriented. Mm-hmm. Because I think you need to know problems, but you have to come with some solutions as well. So I think that really goes into a lot of the things that you said. And as you look at those qualities, give, give us those, those qualities you said again. You, you listed off a couple of uh, really good, well-stated well uh, statements. You said determined, decisive. Oh, above and beyond. Above and beyond. Um, bold and brave. Bold and brave. Capable and credible. Capable and credible. So, you know, you need to be developing. And in your development of, of who you are and what you're doing, People need to see that as being something of value, mm-hmm. you know, that that you're not just doing a job. You're actually doing something that's helpful and it's creating things that are beneficial. So that in itself creates credibility. And then the last one was determined and decisive. So good. So as you think about this for your own self and your context, ask yourself this question. Am I that kind of teammate? Am I that kind of teammate? Because I bet you if you asked your employer. Yeah. Hey, would you, would these qualities enhance my work and our relationship here? Would it help build more boost morale and build morale here if we all started to take this on? Yeah. And then then start asking how do I need to grow? Where where are those areas I need to grow? Because as I think about that for my own self, you know, I want to be a better teammate. And even though I have a title lead pastor or Barry has the title executive director, we're not done growing. Yeah. Because there are areas that we're going to learn, hey, I need to continue to improve and be becoming a better teammate. Yeah. Uh, so we never stop growing. And when you start growing in a healthy way, that's when 
you start to die. Yeah, not necessarily in a literal sense, but in the sense of your leadership starts and, to die. And off. if I could add one thing to that, Joe, yep. if you're a leader out there, learn to applaud when people show you those things. Mm-hmm. Last week, I can't give you the all the dynamics of this, but uh, we had a situation um, in one of our missions houses mm-hmm. where um, we had to clean up a mess. Mm-hmm. I'll just leave it at that. And um, call Service Pro and some of the ones that are out there, uh, it was going to cost anywhere from $1,000 to $4,000 to do. I had basically a brand-new employee and another uh, – person on our team step up and for uh, $90 in cleaning products they stepped in and they cleaned up the situation wow. I didn't ask them to do that Wow, that's above and beyond so I challenge any leader out there you know when somebody does something like that applaud and encourage and bless mm-hmm. them because they went beyond what they really have to do so that's what you want to look for in a teammate. And uh, right. one of them was a new employee, and I knew. You talk about confirmation. <laughs> <laughs> I knew we, you, we got the right one. like, the, the right probation one. period's over. Yeah, right? <laughs> we, we had a score. Thank you, God. You know. But I, I think that is true, like the initiative that people take. First of all, I think that what a, what a lesson for us all. Hey, am I willing to take initiative on things like yeah. that? And then the other part of that is, am I willing to recognize what's going on and a lot of people say th- stuff like this and i just talk about the opposite of wisdom this is just foolishness oh they're just doing their job i shouldn't recognize well wait a minute like Mm-mm. just because they're doing their job you know the, the one of the greatest currencies that you'll ever have in your leadership is the currency of kindness mm-hmm. and encouragement good word like that's one of the greatest yeah. currencies more so than what you'll ever bring in revenue wise and kindness costs you very little to give. It costs yeah. thought, time, and if you're going to do a gift, some money. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think, like, if Barry got them, like, a $10 to $15 Starbucks gift card, I mean, what would that say to them with a handwritten note? Mm-hmm. I mean, wow, that would mean a lot to them. But he, they saved him thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, but I, I think we need to be, you know, mindful of that. So leaders... I, I fully support and endorse what Barry just said. Be a person who's intentionally finding ways to do this, you know, and I would encourage you to consider adopting a practice I've recently done, which is in my regular rotation, writing handwritten notes. Mm. It has changed uh, the trajectory in the sense of how I understand more fully the ways in which people receive encouragement. Mm. Cause I'm, I'm a constant encourager. That's one of my, life goals to encourage the encouragers and to, you know, be that kind of person. But I'm realizing a handwritten note takes mm-hmm. my encouragement gift to another level. And people have just come up to me. Wow. That was, that was so unexpected. I didn't necessarily put anything with it beyond just a lot of words, <laughs> which again, I'm not short on words. Uh, but you know, just to say, Hey, I see you and I'm grateful for you. And I got specific with what it is. I saw them do and then thank them for being just who they are. You know, and as leaders, we, we all need to find a system to do that. What's your system to intentionally do that? Well, Barry, this has been so much fun. Uh, Thank you so been. much Thank for, you for being, allowing me to do this. Oh, man, it was a blast. So I wanted to ask you if people wanted to connect with you mm-hmm. and then also jump on board to what's going on with Sin Network, BRN, 
and send PA South Jersey. I know that site hasn't gone live yet, uh, and we're working through that. But if you can let them know all those things, that would be really helpful. Sure. Well, the greatest way you can get a hold of me, first let me just say, um, you know, it's been a joy and honor to be with you today and to have this conversation. Uh, You're always a blessing Hmm. to be around, and uh, you're a blessing to me. So Mm -hmm. I'm grateful for you, brother. Thank you. I'd say, you know, if you want to have the conversation on how you could start a church, how you could help partner with a new church, how you could get involved in ministry. You know, we even talk about compassion ministry. That's right. You know, just reach out, you know, have the conversation. So best way to get a hold of me would be just email me at executive director at brnunited.org. Again, that's executive director at brnunited.org. And uh, just, you know, reach out to me. Tell me what you're interested in or what you're seeking information for. And I will point you in the right direction. You know, if it's starting a church, it might probably be a conversation with Joe. Um, Here in a couple weeks, we will have that website up and running. Um, And uh, we think it's going to be Mm sendpasj.org. So I'll be looking for that in a few weeks. So we're just right now, we're starting a new journey. So all this is fresh and new when it comes to the Send Pennsylvania South Jersey initiative. So we're grateful for our partners and North American Mission Board and their help with this. And we're just excited that, um, you know, by this starting, we're going to see more churches started, more communities transformed, more people's lives changed uh, through new churches, more churches. And you say, do we need more churches? Yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. There are not enough. If you think of a church being a building, and it's more than that, and that's a different podcast. <laughs> but uh, if you think it's more than a building, there aren't enough buildings in our two states mm-hmm. that if people decided they wanted to go to church, that they could fit into a church. Hmm. So is there room for more churches? Absolutely. And the churches we're trying to start are churches that will love people in the place that they're started Hmm. uh, for the glory of God and for the elevation of Jesus Christ who died for us. So love to hear from you. Executive director at brnunited.org. And I was also going to encourage you guys to check out uh, the Sin Network website, which is Mm sinnetwork.com. And then also our BRN website, which is... BRNUnited.org. Yeah, so check out sinnetwork.com, brnunited.org. Dot org. Um, And, you know, in in those, these are just ways for you to even dive deeper. There's Mm -hmm. some practical tools there that even help you in that discernment process if you wanted to read more, learn more, and understand what we're all about. And I'll just throw this out. If you're a pastor out there listening in and you feel like you're just kind of alone as a pastor in a church and just would like to be a part of a, a bigger network to help you get stronger and healthier and ultimately maybe start churches, reach out to me. You know, we'd love to have that conversation with you too. Yeah. Well, Barry, thanks again for being on Thank you, Joe. Vision for the Valley podcast. You're a gift. We're grateful for your leadership and your friendship and we're excited to see what's going to happen with CNPA South Jersey, and I'm excited to be along for the ride, my friend. Amen. My pleasure, bro. Thanks for joining us for the Vision for the Valley podcast. We'd love to connect with you and to hear from you. You can find us on social media at Vision for the Valley podcast, or you can email us at Vision for the Valley podcast at gmail.com.